to the grave and the grave to the sky. Lord, I lift your name on high. That's why we're here this morning, to bless his name and to worship him. And uh, welcome to each of you. Thank you for coming. It's a joy to be here and to worship the Lord together. Let's open up with a word of prayer. Carrie, would you open up? Sure. Heavenly Father, we just come to you this morning, Lord, so thankful that we can have you in our lives. Lord, without you, we have nothing and we are nothing, Lord. And I just thank you for the salvation that you offer. And, Lord, that if we are willing to give ourselves to you, to, to humble ourselves, Lord, that you are willing to live within us, to make us your temple, and, Lord, to shine your light forth through the lives that we live. Lord, I just pray that you'd be with us this morning, Lord. Would we praise you and glorify you from hearts that are full, not of what we have done, but what you have done. And, Lord, that we glorify you in that way. I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like ever before, oh my soul, I'll worship Your holy name. The sun comes up, it's a It's time to sing your song again, whatever may pass and whatever lies before me. Let me be singing when the evening comes.
Amen. Does anyone have a testimony this morning or anything the Lord's doing in your life you'd like to share? Just feel free. You know, something the Lord's been uh, working in my heart this week is, um, you know, as we live, if you're a Christian and you, you're born again and you know the Lord and, and, uh, or he knows you, um, as we go throughout life, we're still faced with many temptations and trials in this world. And, and the question the Lord's been asking me is, why do you choose to not sin? Why do you, you know, is it because I don't want the repercussions? Or is it because, you know, the wages of sin is death, I don't want to die, so therefore I don't sin? Or is it because of the number one commandment that the Lord gave, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? And that is really, um, I think, important in, in my life and something that the Lord's been convicting me of is, to choose to do good and to love my fellow man and all these things because of my love for God and what he has done. And because our choosing to not sin after we're saved is still not our righteousness. It's the righteousness of Christ in us. And the fruit of that is to live a victorious life. And um, I think one of the greatest keys to... Living a victorious life is beholding God and loving Him and seeing how great He is. Um, so, yeah.
let us adore Him. Behold our King. Nothing can compare. Come, let us adore My mind, you can be seated. You know, I give these mini sermons up here in my testimonies. Um, Hebrews 13.5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Yesterday, I got to witness the exact opposite of what God is to us. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Um, My son was playing in a baseball tournament yesterday. And at the end of the tournament, I mean, his team wasn't the most talented team out there. They didn't all just play perfectly. They all made mistakes from the best of them to the worst of them. And at the end of it, they they did really well. They won a game they probably should have never won. The team was so upset that lost to them the first time because they couldn't believe they had lost to them because they had totally, I mean, destroyed them the last time they were playing them. And this time they come in there and they just whooped up on that team and they just couldn't hardly believe this. Then they come in and then they win that game. They go into the second game, and they were down, way down below. I mean, they were way down. They were getting beat pretty bad. And in the end, they came back, and they made it a game. They got ahead and forced another inning and ended up losing. But at the end of it, the coach just said, this team isn't good enough for me to continue coaching. There's another tournament next weekend, but I'm not going to continue coaching you guys. There's not enough talent on this team to go to that tournament. What is the opposite of what our God is? How often do we fail over and over and over, make terrible mistakes, screw up, and God says, no, I'm still your father. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's the God that I serve. That's the God that's worthy to follow. As much as I respected that coach... In what he did all year, there's a serious lack of what God can do in his life because he, he's not a Christian that I know of. And, but God is that way, and we as Christians need to be that way not only with each other, but we need to allow God to do that work in us. So many times I think we're just like the team. We're discouraged, and we think coach is upset with us, so why try? Why give it? Why get back up and try another time? Whereas God isn't. He's still there. He's our biggest champion. He's the one that's cheering us on. The saints of old that have gone on before, they're cheering us on. And I think we need to understand and realize that God is there in that way for us. Thank you, Lord, that you are sovereign over all and that you don't waste pain, Lord that you uh, have and work a purpose through every trial and tribulation, Lord. God, I just thank you for that, and I pray that 
um, on behalf of the Chilton family and, Lord, everyone here today who may be going through a difficult circumstance, Lord, to know that um, you give grace and that you are the healer, Lord, and um, just thank you for the amazing grace that you give. In Jesus' name, let's sing, Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught.
right, let's all stand together and uh, those who are able and sing this last song together. Children, come forward.
How are you going to sing with that much gum in your mouth? It's not a lot. Oh, you have one girl. Boy, we're missing Tiffy and Sherry, ain't we? And Caden. Wow. I grew up, it always seemed like there was way more girls than boys all the time. Mr. Lukey, get up here. Mm. He looks a little eager. Okay, well, let's see if we can figure out a song that will confuse him eventually. All right, you guys got a song? Building up the temple. Building up the temple, building up the temple, building up the temple of the Lord. Say, brother, won't you help me? Sister, won't you help me? Building up the temple of the Lord. Building up the temple, building up the temple, building up the temple of the Lord. Say, brother, won't you help me? Sister, won't you help me? Building up the temple of the Lord. Boy, Alexi got a lot of fingers pointed at her. You're everybody's sister this morning. Hmm. All right, another one? Ah, you look good up here, Lukey. Hmm. Let me see. What can we What can we make Lukey do? Cast your burdens. He likes to lay on the floor, though. Huh. Let me see. Leaning on. You think he's not good at leaning over? The balance might be a little off. Think? All right, we can try that one. See? Tell me whose side are you leaning on? Tell me whose side are you leaning on? I lean, I lean, I lean, I lean, I'm leaning on the Lord's side. I lean, I lean, I lean, I lean, I'm leaning on the Lord's side. Tell me whose side are you praying on? Tell me whose side are you praying on? I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray, I'm praying on the Lord's side. I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray, praying on the Lord's side. Tell me whose side are you jumping on? I'm jumping on the Lord's side. Tell me whose side are you jumping on? I'm jumping on the Lord's side. I jump, I jump, I jump, I jump. I'm jumping on the Lord's side. I jump, I jump, I jump, I jump. I'm jumping on the Lord's side. How can you jump on the Lord's side? You don't think so? You might. How do, you, how do you think you can jump on the Lord's side, though? Mm, we ain't going to listen to you. Um, ain't even got Steve here. 
Um, how do we how do we jump on the Lord's side? You sang it. How do you think we can do it? <laughs> Very true. <laughs> Out of the mouth of babes. Um, do you think you can jump on the Lord's side? Hmm. So if you're jumping on the playground on the trampoline and you're being mean and bouncing little kids, doing, doing, and they're going flying, you think that's jumping on the Lord's side? <laughs> well, you're pretty impressive. Oh, we could play a game of chicken. No, never mind. Um, all right. Uh, what's another one? We oh, we sing it every Sunday. Let me see. We got to find some songs we don't sing every Sunday. Got to wait two Sundays on that one. Where's another one? Hmm. Who's the king of the jungle? We ain't sang that one for a while. Lexi's got this whaley whaley down pat, don't you? Should we have Anessa come up and help you? <laughs> hmm. If you want Anessa up here, I'm going to let you be the guilty culprit of going and getting her. Because if I would do it, she probably wouldn't forgive me. Hmm. Okay. Well, Anessa can just go whaley, whaley, whaley really loud from her seat, right? Okay, we'll all listen for it. Because I think, from what I've heard of her brother, she's definitely got a voice. Right? Just a voice? It's not a good voice, it's just a voice? All right. (laughs) That's another one I'll let you... (laughs) all right Um. who's the king of the jungle who's the king of the sea who's the king of the universe and who's the king of me I tell you J-E-S-U-S yes He's the king of me. He's the king of the universe, the jungle and the sea. Who's the king of the jungle? Who's the king of the sea? Who's the king of the universe? And who's the king of me? I tell you, J-E-S-U-S. Yes, he's the king of me. He's the king of the universe, the jungle and the sea. Ooh, ooh. Ooh, that was a poor showing. I don't even think Jenny even opened her mouth. Did you see it? I didn't either. Hmm. All right. We haven't sang that one for a while. God's not dead. Okay, let's sing that one. Then I'll read you a story. You remember who we're talking about? David Livingston. Good job. And where was David Livingston? South Africa. South Africa, right. 
And what was he doing? Mm, might have you on that one. How is, okay, I mean, technically we would guess we'd call him a missionary. How is he being a missionary? Was he like out there preaching the gospel? And Okay, I'll rehash that with you in a little bit. Okay. God's not dead, no, he is alive. God's not dead, no, he is alive. God's not dead, no. He is alive. I feel him in my hand. Feel him in my feet. Feel him in my heart. Thump, thump. Feel him in my soul. Woo! Feel him all over me. God's not dead. No, he is alive. God's not dead. No, he is alive. God's not dead. No. He is alive. I feel him in my hands. Feel him in my feet. Feel him in my heart. Thump, thump. Feel him in my soul. Woo! Feel him all over me. All right, you can be seated and I'll read you a story. Sorry, I stole yours. Okay, so guess what? Did I tell you guys last week I was going to bring something, right? Yep, good So how is, the, how is the earth shaped? Now it looks like a ball, don't it? What's all this blue stuff? Wow, there's a lot of water. You know, if I had to guess, there's a lot more whaley whaleys in there. Ooh-hoo. Look at how much water the whaley whaleys have room to go around in. I know. Yep. It's the South Pole. Up here's the North Pole. Okay. So, I got to find my spot here. Okay, so what was it that he was doing? He wanted to go and he wanted to teach people about Jesus, but he discovered that he wasn't a very good person to just sit there and teach them himself. So what was he doing? You remember? He was setting up he was setting up places where he could train the actual people that lived there to go and tell others about Jesus. Okay? So just like your parents are training you all right, so what did he get attacked by? Do you remember? A lion. All right. So this is called humility. Livingstone's children. David Livingstone loved to explore. On his second great expedition, he traveled up the Zambezi River from the eastern coast of Africa. But he worried about the slave trade developing in this area. Portuguese traders along the coast encouraged Africans along, called redcaps because of their red hats to travel deep into Africa to buy slaves. Slavery was common among African tribes, but the number of slaves was so few. Too many, to make the numbers larger, the red caps tricked the tribes into fighting one another. Tribal war meant raids back and forth on villages. Many prisoners were taken. The red caps then bought these captives as slaves from both sides. 
Whenever David Livingstone came across a group of slaves, he chased off the red caps and freed the slaves. Several of the freed slaves chose to stay at Livingstone's mission station. But the evil slave trade continued. What's a slave? Do you know? Okay. I've worked for people for no money, too. But I never was a slave. Do you, uh, let me see, do you own a cow? Karen, do you own any cows? Okay. Well, they pretty much own slaves as they own a cow. The cow is for you. And then they treated them like cows for the most part. I mean, they didn't eat them, but they... They made them work, right? You make a horse work or a cow used to, an oxen you used to make it work. It's kind of the same way they treated slaves. They owned them. The evil slave trade continued. I must go deeper into the hills and carry the gospel to the people who have never heard Livingstone decided. Once they become Christians, they won't go to war so easily. And if I can get them to grow useful crops, they can sell the produce and will have no reason to sell slaves. It seemed like a good plan. Using his ability to learn languages and his deep respect for the African people and their ways, Livingstone again traveled where no white person had ever gone. There were no slave traders here. He talked to the people who had kept foreigners, white or black, out of their lands for generations. Then one day he came upon a slave caravan that included people from some of these tribes. After he had chased off the red caps and freed the slaves, he asked, how did the red caps get to you? You never let outsiders in your villages. They said they, are, they said they were Livingstone's children, the people replied sadly. So we thought they were safe and let them in. David Livingstone was crushed. He had worked so hard to reach these tribes. Now that he was their friend, he had, without meaning to, open the door for slave traders to come in too. It was the very last thing he wanted to happen. He became angry, and then his anger turned to despair. What could he do? He had failed. No, it was worse than failure. He had made things worse. Many people might have quit and gone home at that point, but David did not quit. He did not think he was too good to fail, so he kept trying. With humility, he continued his work, doing the best he could to spread the gospel. Free slaves and encourage the trade of produce, not slaves. Fifteen years after his death, the slave trade came to an end. His plan finally worked because he was not too proud to keep doing what was right even when at first he had failed. You ever think that we're failing with what we're doing? You ever think that? You think sometimes good doing good's hard? Hmm? It's kind of hard for me to keep from speeding, even though I want to speed all the time. Mm-hmm. But doing good is probably good for those passengers in my car that are riding with me. In the end, it'll probably prove its way but forth. I think we need to do the same thing in our Christian lives. We need to remember that doing good is not wrong, even though it may not seem like the best thing in the world sometimes. It is the best thing if we're obeying God. Because God has given me a special gift, I have something to say to everyone among you. Do not think you are better than you are. You must decide what you really are by the amount of faith God has given you. Romans 12.3 Okay, we got another story of Dr. Livingstone, Dr. Livingstone next week. Okay? Oh, you guys want to see where he was at? All right. So, first off, 
This is about where we're at. It's Colorado, okay? So way over here, down here is South Africa. Let me see if I can see. So you see the you see the river here? I believe that's the river he was floating up to go into Central Africa. Probably somewhere into here. My mom went to Africa. Oh yeah? I've never been to Africa yet. Where's Canada? Why would you want to know where Canada is? Canada. So we're here, and here's Canada. It's all this brown. And you're, I think it's Quebec, right, Maggie? Ontario. Okay. Yeah, right here's Ontario. So we're there. So it's not very far compared to Africa, way down here. So, do you remember, uh, who are we studying about right before we started studying about David Livingstone? Adam Adam Judson. Okay. So, here is China. This is all of China here. Then here is Thailand. And right here is Myanmar to Burma. So, right along the border between this light green country and this dark green country along this border is where Adoniram Judson worked, right up in here. And that's where people are still there that are Christians because of Adoniram Judson. And my grandma is in Canada and Canada. And we're back to Canada. I love you. All right, so now you kind of understand. So see how far that is away? It's a little bit shorter to go this way around the globe then. Okay? So do you remember the missionaries we just had here that were talking? Mr. Morgan and his wife. Oh my goodness, David Morgan and what's her? I'm so sorry, Nicole. Okay, so they, yeah, you're about right. So they're going. They want to go over here to Afghanistan. So that's way over here. Wow, still pretty far away. That's about exactly halfway around the world. Pretty far, ain't it? Yeah. You seeing this? We need to have a plane if we're going to go across the water. But they used to not have planes. When David Livingstone went over there, how did he get there? He went on a boat. That would have been 19 or 18. Let me look here. I think it said. So I think it, uh, it was 18, about 1840. Okay, so now you guys are getting a better idea how big this earth is and all the different places that need Jesus. I know, and it spins. I know. Okay, well, we'll study more of this next week. Thank you.
Good morning to everyone. Special welcome to everyone that's here. Uh, very pleasure. My wife has her uncle here and his wife from Pennsylvania, so it's a pleasure, uh, a blessing for us to have them here with us. And, uh, and for those who are watching online as well, welcome. Um, we have a few people traveling, I guess. I guess John's gone and Anthony went to Phoenix, so... Uh, Good to have Phil back, safe travels, and, and everyone else. Um, so this Wednesday night, we have a Bible study at 6.30 here. It's on part two of the life of Esther. So feel free, and anyone who wants to come, friends, anybody's welcome. Um, we do have a, a lunch here today. Anybody, everybody's welcome to stay for that. Hamburgers and hot dogs are Colorado barbecue, excuse me. <laughs> uh, uh, then uh, we do have our youth retreat coming up. I did see that we do have the little program in the back on our table. And you can also go to their website. Uh, it's a website page. It's the Redeem Community Church website and get there more information there as well. And that's, uh, excuse me. August 11 to 14 is what it's showing. And then also continue to pray for David and Nicole Morgan. Well, Carrie was sharing this morning. Uh, just saying here, I guess there's a, uh, what do you go for that to sign up for their newsletter? Okay. Like a QR code? Okay, gotcha. And then that information back on the table. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Anything else from the floor? Anybody have anything you'd like to share or announcements? If not, uh, I don't want to bow for prayer, and then Brother Phil will be bringing us the message. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you so much again for your love and your goodness to us, and we thank you for the privilege of being gathered in this way. Lord, we just thank you for uh, uh, your faithfulness. Lord, you're an awesome God. Thank you for bringing home, Phil home safely with his travels and all, and I just pray that you be with him as he brings forth your word. I just pray for each individual that's here that, Lord, we can have open our hearts and our minds to you, Lord, and you would come and you would minister to our hearts, Father. Lord, we just uh, commend this day into your care, Father. Lord, that you receive all the honor and glory. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Verse 35, Romans chapter 8, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? How about distress? You ever been stressed out? That's what that word means, distress. Or persecution, people speaking evil of you. Falsely, or actually whipping you physically. 
or famine? What if you're going hungry? Will that separate you? How about nakedness? You have no clothing. I'm not talking about the proper clothing. I'm saying no clothing. There are people who live like that, you know. I was, Katie and I were in Haiti years ago. We went way in the back country in the hills of Haiti. And there are people who live there who are so poor, they have no clothes. And children run around naked. No clothing at all. Will that separate them from the love of God? I remember as I was sharing the word of God with them for like 10 days. I was back there preaching every day. And I'll be honest with you, I looked at their, their faces and in their eyes and I thought, are these, are these guys human? Some of them walked six hours in the morning to come to church and in the evening to go home. And they came every day. Six hours, little trails, goat paths, way up over the hills and down. Does that separate them from the love of Christ? No. As I, a modern man, you might call me, living in, you know, a modern country of the United States, who can't even relate to that. I mean, I've went hiking for six hours for fun, right? And when I was exhausted, I came home and took a shower and relaxed and ate a good meal. They did it for Christ. Naked. One lady came on a Sunday morning. You remember this? She was pregnant, expecting a baby. She delivered her baby that afternoon. And she walks home six hours that night. You might pray for the Haitians right now. You know, they're going through a lot of political unrest. Their president was murdered and killed. And they're suffering incredibly right now. Their country is in turmoil. And there are many children dying of hunger. Will that separate them? No. As I shared the word of God with them, the Holy Spirit came down in a powerful way. And many, many of these people are bound up in a fear of witchcraft. They have what they call witch doctors who live in their villages. And they control their people through witchcraft. Only through fear. But the devil is real. And some of them will try to cast spells on people, especially if they come to the Christian God, they call him. If you go there, the witch doctor will kill you, they said to them. And as we shared the word and prayed with them, many of them were delivered from demonic activity and spirits that were controlling them. Did their, their situation of life separate them from the love of Christ? No, the love of Christ broke through and reached them despite the witchcraft and the witch doctor's son was born again. And I remember so well that night one of the chief villagers 
was there. And the place was packed out with people and it was raining, pouring rain. We were on the back of the pickup headed up the hill and, and we got stuck in the mud and it was pouring rain on us. And they said, get out, you're going to be late. Just get out and run for the church house, Phil. They were all there waiting for me to preach to them. And I get out and I got, you know, these Sunday slippers on, we call them. And I was just running through the mud and the rain. And I come up to the door and I was drenched and muddy. And I thought, how on the world am I going to preach like this? And I come in the door and I looked around and everyone else looked like me. So I was like, I'll be right at home. And I was. The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully over those souls and many received the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, delivered from the power of the witch doctors, the fear. Will nakedness or famine or distress or persecution or peril when you don't know if you're going to stay alive? Or how about the sword? Will that separate you from the love of Christ? What will? What will separate you from Christ's love? Is there anything? There is nothing, but there is someone who can separate you. It's you. You can walk away from his love. There was a church recorded to us in Revelation chapter 2 that God had a message for. This church was a good church. They weren't a bunch of drunks. They didn't have heresy and false teaching in their church. They weren't just out there living for the flesh. No, they were disciplined, discipled Christians. But the Holy Spirit said to them, unless you repent, Christians, I'm leaving this place. You can keep gathering and doing whatever you do. I won't be here. You won't meet with me when you gather. What were they doing wrong? Can someone tell me? Well, they had walked away from the love of Christ. They lost it because they walked away from Jesus. Nothing in this world, and no one in this world can separate us from his love, but we can choose to walk away. And when Jason shared with us what leads us to victory over Christ, over sin in our life, that it's the love for Christ. I'm going to just overflow a bit on you. Last night, I was in southern Tennessee officiating a wedding. <clears throat> And so I'm full and overflowing. And as you shared that, brother, as I stood here just a couple of feet away from a young man and a young woman who pledged their lives together, I thought as I sat here, what would keep them from cheating on each other today? What is it that would keep them from just going out and leaving each other and cheating on each other, whether it's sexually, physically, or just emotionally. It's only one thing. 
the love of Christ and made them one. I'm convinced in my heart they're not cheating on each other this morning. No. This young couple, by the grace of God, had a wonderful testimony of entering into a pure relationship and keeping themselves even physically pure. Not kissing. They didn't even want to hold hands unless they were praying. That was just their standard for themselves. No one had forced them on this. But that was their conviction in their own heart that the Holy Spirit said as they courted, I want you to stay physically pure with each other until the day of your wedding. The guy jokingly told me a few months ago, you know, as we were sharing together and they came up with this, you know, what they felt the Lord wanted them to do, only hold hands in prayer. He said, well, you know, the Bible says pray without ceasing. (laughs) Pray always. (laughs) He was kind of joking, but it was beautiful. And as I stood there in front of them and witnessed them bowing their lives to each other and for the first time holding hands and kissing and embracing each other on a physical level. These are the words the Lord gave me. And I shared it with them. And they're words that I've been pondering all week long in inclusion with Romans 8. John 15, the Gospel of John, chapter 15. You can turn your Bibles with me there, if you have your Bible. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it, that it may bear more fruit. You all, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me. This is the key verse. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you. Later in John chapter 17, Jesus was praying this prayer to the Father for you and me. And if you don't, Believe that it was Jesus was praying for you. Just read this chapter again, and you'll notice that he was. He says, and I do not only pray this for these, but for all those who will believe in me. Verse 22, and the glory which thou hast given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one. What? changed with these two young people that an hour before their conscience would not let them kiss each other or even hold their hands. For them, it was sin. But when they came and got married, they couldn't quit holding hands. They were holding hands all night long and kissing each other publicly, regularly. I mean, what changed? That set their conscience free to do something they couldn't do before. This changed. Jesus did something. And the glory which thou hast given me, 
I have given to them. Jesus was standing up there giving them this glory that God the Father had given to him that they may be one. They became one flesh. That's what happened. Christ pronounced them one. And it set them free. They were now married. One home. Two people became one. Just as the Father in Christ. And dear brother, sister, Jesus is still doing this today. He is looking for people whom he can make one with himself and the Father. And give every one of God's children this glory. The same glory. That you and I can enter into the relationship with God as our Father for real. Romans chapter 8, just a little before that says, And we receive the Spirit and we cry, Daddy, Daddy. In John chapter 1, he says this. Verse 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. He gives us the right to love him freely. And to rejoice in his love when we believe that he has chosen us. And drawn us into this relationship. He offers it to every person. This love that no one and nothing can separate us from. There is no one that can separate this married couple from each other. And cause them to sin against each other. No one. However... They can make the choice if they walk away from this love of Christ that made them one flesh. Dear brother, sister, I want to encourage you this morning. Jesus wants to be one flesh with you and me. That means he comes into this body and we become one. His Holy Spirit dwells, as in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It tells us this body becomes the dwelling place, the temple of the living God. That's why I don't sin anymore. I have experienced a love of Christ that has made me one. Oh man, you should have seen this young man. You know, people do it different in weddings, but in most of the weddings that I've officiated... That the young man comes up and he stands here with his three friends. And, and I, as the preacher, get to stand right up here, right next to him. And he's watching for his bride to come down the aisle. And she's tucked away. He hasn't seen her yet that day. She's all dressed up, ready to meet her bridegroom. She keeps herself just for him. And the others, you know, the bridesmaids are coming and the music's playing and He's not noticing much. His eyes were on that door. I could feel his heart beating. And he kept looking at me. <clears throat> you know, he was just, he was excited. Oh, you can feel the heart flowing, bursting with love for his bride. And when the music changes and the door opens, his eyes don't come off of her. 
he follows her the whole way up the aisle until he comes and meets the father, her father and her, and takes her into his arm. And This is the love of a bridegroom. This is the love Christ has for you and me. Don't get distracted. What do you think would have happened if Ireland, the young girl, would be walking up these, this aisle, and, you know, she comes in with her dad, she goes, oh, hi, nice to meet you. I'm so glad you came to my wedding. Hi, my best friend's over there. Hello, how are you doing? And she would just hang out with the crowd. And she would be in no hurry at all to meet the bridegroom. What do you think would be happening right now in the bridegroom's heart? Don't you think he'd be getting a little jealous hmm? for her attention? I think he would. I don't know what the bridegroom would actually do if she would just mess around down here and not really pay attention, but... My guess is he wouldn't stand here for a couple hours waiting on that. It probably wouldn't take very long that he would come down and say, Honey, come on, let's get married and get out of here. Let's go do life together. Don't you think that would be good for him to do something like that? That's exactly what Jesus does to you and me when we get distracted even by good things on the earth. In Hosea chapter 2 this is what the Lord said he did to Israel. Israel was being distracted and he says this in Hosea chapter 2 Verse 14, then behold, I will allure her, bring her into the wilderness and speak kindly to her. Then I will give her her vineyards from there and the valley of Achor as a door of hope. And she will sing there as in the days of her youth, as in the day when she came up from the land of Egypt. And it will come about in that day, declares the Lord, that you will call me Ishi and no longer call me Ballet. Now those are Hebrew words. Ishi means my husband. And no longer call me my Lord, my master. What do you think that we as a crowd would have thought if this girl would have been distracted and husband to be is coming, the bridegroom's coming down. Come on, honey. And she was like, Yes, my Lord. Yes, master. I think as a fisher of the wedding, I'd be like, hmm, what to do? Shall we call this wedding off and have a little marriage counseling first? Or this, this doesn't seem right. Something is going wrong here. No longer will you call him master. You won't relate to him as your, like you're his slave. You'll call him my husband. Do you? Do you call Jesus your husband? Do you see him that he loves you with a bridegroom's love? He does. Verse 19. And I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice. 
in loving kindness and in compassion. And I will betroth you to me in faithfulness. Then you will know the Lord. This is what Jesus is wanting from every one of us. That bridegroom relationship. In Isaiah chapter 62, he says these words. He rejoices over us as a bridegroom rejoices over his bride. And I'm going to actually skip that. That just came to my mind because I want to take you to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. The Corinthian church had repented from their sin and their lukewarmness and all of many of their problems they had in that Paul addressed in 1 Corinthians. But Paul, through the Holy Spirit, was speaking to this church about what I'm speaking to you about. And this is what he said to the church in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2. For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. He was the jealous bridegroom. He said, Jesus is standing here. And he's waiting for the wedding day. And he's jealous for your affection. For where your heart is. Where your love is. I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy. For I betroth you to one husband. That to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. But I'm afraid. Lest as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. Your minds should be led astray. From the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. That's it. That's all he's wanting. You may think he's wanting a thousand other things from your life. And maybe he's working on some of those things. Because they affect your heart. But this is what he really wants from every one of us. Your simple, pure devotion to Jesus Christ. Your affection. Not set on things here on the earth. Colossians chapter 3. But on things above. Where is your affection? Is it on your friends as you're walking down the aisle? I'll tell you what the Lord told me many years ago. Phil, you're my bride. You're part of my bride, the church. Every day in your life is one step down the aisle closer to me, to our wedding moment. Every day is one step. Don't get distracted today. By the next step, and look around a lot. Keep your eyes focused and your heart's attention on me. And it will keep you from sin, from the power of sin. And nothing, no distracting thing in the world can separate my heart's affection set on him. Nothing can separate us from that love of Christ. And the way he does this is a conspiracy against the devil. It's absolutely amazing that Jesus would do this with us humans who failed and who were born enslaved to sin. But he does. In Hosea chapter 2, he promises them they have gone astray. And he says, I'll find you. In the valley of Achor, 
Does anyone know where the valley of Achor was? Someone tell me. What happened in the valley of Achor? Yes, you'll read it in Joshua. The book of Joshua. You remember the sin of Achan? Israel had just crossed over the Jordan. They had gone after Jericho. And they won a great victory. Except for one person. Wasn't too great for that man named Achan and his family. But no one knew it. Secret. God had said, destroy everything in the city and don't take a thing. Burn it all. But Achan found some clothing. Very attractive, expensive clothing. And some other things that were very of great value. And he hid them in his tent. Maybe he stuck them underneath his armor somewhere as he was fighting the battle. And he brought them home. Didn't tell anyone. The next battle for Israel was just a little tiny town called Ai. Joshua said, look at what we did to Jericho. God is for us. No worries. I'm just going to send a few guys over there. A few hundred men. Not many. I don't remember the exact number, but you could go back to Joshua and read it. And they were defeated. Ai defeated Israel in that battle. And Joshua comes to the Lord that night and he falls on his face and he meets God. And God says to him, Joshua, get up off your face. There's sin in the camp. Really? Yes. Someone took some clothing and other things from Jericho. And so Joshua found out who it was. It was Achan. And they brought Achan and his family out. And they said, Achan, confess your sin. Well, he knew he was found out, so he did. But God said, stone him. Him and all his family, kill him right here. Don't just stone him and kill him and give him a nice burial. Make a whole heap of stones over him as a monument to all in Israel. This is what will happen if you disobey God. That was then called the Valley of Achor from that day on. You know what God's promise is to you and me? That if you fail, he'll stone you there. Is that his promise? No. God says now, in this relationship I'm seeking, when you fail, I'll meet you there in your failure. And instead of stoning you, I'll have mercy on your sin. And if you repent from your sin and come to me, I'll forgive you all your sins. And your heart will be set free because of my love towards you and my forgiveness in your life, in your greatest failure. Can you think of a woman who actually experienced this prophecy in the life of Jesus? Can you think of a woman who did? Yes, Mary Magdalene and another one. No, not Esther. There was a woman, doesn't give us her name. One day you'll meet her. I will too, Lord willing. She was caught in adultery. Right? And the scribes and Pharisees said, we have proof. What did God say we should do with this woman? Stone her. They brought her to Jesus. Jesus, we caught this woman cheating 
on her husband, committing adultery in the very act. What do you say we should do to her? What did Jesus do to this dear woman? Did he say stoner? He said, anyone who has without any sin, you cast the first stone. And they all laughed. And Jesus rose up and said, has no one condemned you, woman? She said, no one, Lord. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. The Balievicor prophecy happened to that Jewish woman that day. How do you think she felt? I think she felt loved by Jesus like she had never experienced love before. She, I believe, went singing. She was going to die that day. She knew for her sin. But Jesus delivered her. And the valley of Achor, that day turned into a door of hope. And there she was singing to her master. And I believe that woman that day experienced a relationship of love with Jesus that brought her into this relationship. Her God, her Redeemer, her Bridegroom. That experience is for every one of us. That God is offering, Jesus is offering to us. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul speaks of this. He says, actually in chapter 3, verse 17, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Can you imagine what that woman looked when she was bowed down like this, and Jesus lifted her up and said, Woman, and she looks up at Jesus, what she seeing? Have you seen that love in his eyes? The love of a bridegroom standing ready to forgive your worst sin that condemned you to death. But we all, with an unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. That love transformed that woman's life. Not only from death that she was guilty of from her sin. From the sin life that led her to that sentence of death. Jesus released her. Verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the surpassing greatness of the power may be of God and not from ourselves. That love of the bridegroom didn't come because you chose to love Jesus. Jesus said to the disciples in John 17, I chose you. You didn't choose me. I chose you. Zeb, the young man who married this girl, Ireland, he was the one who went knocking on her door and initiated that relationship. And she answered yes. 
And today they're married. Transformed their whole life, right? Think about all the changes that are happening in their life from this day forward. Well, some of you know, Jason and Lori just got married last year. Jenny and Jamie got married last year, this year. You know personally the changes that are still happening in your life where all of a sudden everything changes from your wallet all the way to everything you own. From how you do life together, the choices, the little choices, even to the things you eat, right? All of a sudden you're eating stuff. You didn't think it was that good. It actually tastes delicious. Yeah. He changes your taste buds. Are you okay with Jesus doing that with you? You will. Watch out for it. He'll change. When he changes the affections of your heart, he changes your taste buds. He changes what your eyes love to look at. He changes what, how much time, how you divide up time in your life. And to where you give it. Yeah, he might even change how you comb your hair. He might. He did me. Might change how you dress. His love is super invasive and practical. What will you hold back from his love? Is there anything that when he comes to you as your bridegroom and speaks his words of love to you that you're going to hold back and say, None of your business on this one, Jesus. When I married you, I didn't make this deal. How do you think their marriage would be going this morning if this young couple and Zeb would say, you know, honey, I've never told you this before because we weren't married, but I really don't like the way you chew. Like You chew with your mouth open. I just didn't have the courage to tell you, but now that you're my wife, it really bugs me. Would you please, like, change that just grosses me and she'd say are you kidding me wow you're super controlling i'm not doing that i'm chewing any way i want to chew my food how do you think that would be going for them this morning over the breakfast table or dinner will go tonight but a loving relationship has no limits on the love it takes nothing there are no limits to it it's completely invasive and welcomed. And if even in the smallest detail, love is shared, it, it's transforming when you yield to that love. Whether it's from the woman telling me, take your shoes off, please, every time you come in the door. Or from the man saying, you know, I just don't like the way you comb your hair, or you chew your food, or I don't like this... We learn to do life together as two human beings in earthen vessels. And we love one another and care for each other. That's what Jesus does. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the surpassing greatness of the power may be of God and not from ourselves. That's the word I want to share with you. What can separate you from Christ's love this morning? Only you can. You can back away from it. If there's something the Holy Spirit speaks to you through the living word or through your conscience, then you just say, no, thank you. None of your business, Lord.
that love will begin to grow cold and separate you. But you can experience anything in life. Famine, nakedness, starvation. Anything that life deals with you, even death itself. And it cannot separate you from that affection and love. And no sin can either. Because even in our failure, when we repent, we'll experience the love of the bridegroom in our valley of Acor, just like that woman did. His love is everlasting and redemptive. And he puts it in earthen vessels that he knows will fail. Do you think this young couple who got married is expecting absolute perfection from each other? The one will never fail the other. When they vowed to each other, I didn't hear that in the vows. I'll love you as long as you promise to never, ever fail me. You'll be perfect for the rest of your life. Will you love me that way? No, it wasn't like that at all. Because I love you in any condition. I'll always love you. Jesus knows our failures, and even in those, he redeems. When we come to him and repent, if we choose to walk away and say, I'm, I love sin more than you, sorry. Well, he'll wait for us. He'll keep knocking on our heart's door, keep calling us to come back, even if we go out in the wilderness for a while. He says in Hosea, I'll come after you. If you get distracted with all the people, I'm coming towards you. Honey, look this way. Come on, let's get married. One more step, one more day to our wedding day. I love you, the Lord Jesus is saying. Come, turn your heart's full affection and attention to me. There's a verse that the Lord gave me, which I'll share with you in closing, that really encouraged me this week. In Second Chronicles, <clears throat> Chapter 16, verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. That's who the Lord is looking for. Those whose hearts are completely his. You may not be perfect, you may still have struggles. He's full of forgiveness. Forgiveness, actually, is the bond of love. Jesus said about the woman who loved him much to Simon the Pharisee, he who is, she who is forgiven much loves much. And so a real loving marriage relationship that is strong is bound by forgiveness together. That's the bond of love. You forgive each other daily, even in the smallest little irritations. I forgive you. You're living in an atmosphere of forgiven love. And that perfects you. It makes you stronger. It fills you with grace so that you grow in that love. And you grow closer together. 
The eyes of the Lord are looking to and fro for those who are willing to enter this kind of love and live in it through all eternity. Not just for this life, but through all eternity. Your heart is completely His. God bless you. Thank you, Brother Phil, for that. I very much appreciate the uh, practicality of that, uh, what you brought forth there. Um, anyway, uh, anyone have something they'd like to share? Any comments or anything? Testimony? Prayer requests? Phil, you made it very clear, very practical. (laughs) Okay, Uh, well, if not, um, looks like the burgers and hot dogs are coming on. And so, yeah, we all rise and we have a word of prayer and uh, closing on the service here and uh, blessing on the new meal. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love. Like, Lord, a brother Phil brought out, Lord, just uh, the love that you have for us. And, Lord, just help us to always keep our eyes on you. Lord, there's so many distractions in this life. But, Lord, I just pray for myself and each of us, that, Lord, that you would continue to speak in our lives and... um, Pray the power of the darkness be defeated in every way, Father. Lord, and just uh, continue to look to you as we live. Like Brother Phil said, one day at a time, we get closer to you. And we can someday be with you in glory. Lord, we also thank you for the physical food that's been prepared. Just pray you bless it to our bodies. Bless our afternoon together. And Lord, I just pray that... uh, in our conversation, that you receive the honor and glory. Be with us as we depart from here, and uh, keep your angels around us. Christ's name I pray. Amen.